I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Welcome back, everyone. As always, it's so good to have you join us. Today, we're going to be talking about a biblical covenants and why they matter to us, a subject that we have mentioned many times in our previous podcasts, but we've never really delved into it in the kind of detail that we'll be doing today. This topic is critically important in helping us understand what motivates the God of Israel and by extension, what should motivate us. The Bible talks about multiple covenants, but the one the church is most interested in is the one they call the new covenant. Today, Gary and I will maybe bringing up some truths about even this covenant that most people in the church either did not know or perhaps they've just not given that much thought to it. But we'll be talking about the other covenants too, all of which are still in force today. When God makes a covenant with anyone, including himself, it is a big deal. In fact, you might say he structures the entire world and all of his purposes around his covenants. So it's important that we as his children understand his covenants and we understand our relationship to them and the role we play in their fulfillment. After this message, let's talk covenants and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. You know, Gary, I can't believe it's taken us this long to do a podcast <laughs> about biblical covenants. I think we've said multiple times we really should do a podcast about covenants. I'm sure we have, you know, and but there's, there's so many hot topics, uh, you know, that we've had to cover when you think, think of current events that I guess we've let this slide a little bit, but you're absolutely right. This one's a, this one's so important. And, you know, in the church, obviously, I've heard the word covenants, but I don't remember 
ever hearing a sermon specifically on the various covenants and the details of the covenants, the conditions or non-conditions of the covenant or whatever the case may be. I I don't remember it. Well, you may not have. I know I never did, but you probably obviously weren't attending when I was uh, covering this topic. (laughs) No, that's (laughs) Years ago. No, this was years before. um, Because this was something, when I saw that you wanted to, to cover this topic, I was excited because it's so near and dear to my heart. In fact, I would I entitled a, a sermon uh, regarding this as covenant confusion, because I'm I'm like you. I I think that it's it's neglected in the church. It's obvious that there's a a preset way of thinking regarding the covenants that is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, just say it I'm like just going to say right? it's completely wrong. <laughs> we think in, in the Christian church, there are two covenants and it's all that matters. New covenant and old covenant. That's how, that is how, and, and I guarantee you, go to our audience, just ask your friends, go talk about it in church, ask them about the covenants and you'll hear old covenant, new covenant. That's it. That's it. And most people believe that when we look at your Bible, New Testament, Old Testament is synonymous with Old Covenant, New Covenant. You take your Bible and open it to the page, to the page that separates Matthew and, and Malachi, right? And that, I, I think I told you this before. One, one, during that sermon, I ripped that page. Oh, so dramatic. Yeah, right out of the, the There's this blank page that separates. But the point is, most people go to Matthew and look to the right and say, okay, that's New Covenant. They go to Matthew, look to the left, and they, that's Old Covenant. Well, that's completely wrong. And, and the fact that in the Tanakh, what the world calls Old Testament or Old Covenant, in the Tanakh, there are all the pertinent covenants that we're going to talk about today. There's some minor ones. There's other minor covenants, yes. like the Salt Covenant, that we're not going to cover today. But all the pertinent covenants are in the Tanakh. And that is so important for us to understand. Yes, and I and I hope that that's what will be very clear to you and our audience when we get done. Because, like I said, it's critical. It's a it's a big deal, and amazingly, these covenants that were made thousands, multiple thousands of years ago, impact literally what's happening in the world today and the news of the day. Absolutely, and, 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 and they're still in effect, and we still are dealing with them now because they are still in effect and and we can pick up a newspaper and 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 there are t- the people don't realize it no, but there's I, things happening related to God's covenants being fulfilled it all does it all does you know i think i again i i use this a lot but it's so true history it's his story and if we look at at the events of history instead of looking at them as separated unrelated events but and and, and then instead look at them as God's plan of world redemption, then you see how it all intertwines and all fits and is all part of what he promised long ago. Absolutely. You know, let's just start basic definition, dictionary definition, a covenant. Mm -hmm. A covenant is simply an agreement between two parties. I guess it could be between more than two parties. Yes, but yeah, can. yeah. But covenants can be of two different kinds. They can be conditional or unconditional. So if you have an unconditional covenant, no matter what the parties do or don't do, the agreement remains intact. Mm-hmm. It's not dependent on anything they do, okay? Or don't do. Conditional covenant covenants are the agreement only stays intact under certain conditions. Right. If 
you do this and then I do this, or we have to both agree to some kind of condition, uh, a sale of a house just did that the other day. Mm. Okay. I will give you this money. The deed to the house becomes mine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's responsibility on both sides for that agreement to right. happen. Okay. And, and we'll, you know, we can talk a little bit more about the, the conditions that existed in the, in the day of, let's say for Abraham example, when we talk about the covenant, we'll, yes. we'll talk about how how seriously people took covenants oh, then absolutely. versus how maybe they people write it off so easily like marriage today. Exactly. Well, you that's know. where I was going to start is, you know, marriage is uh, the, the thing here on earth, the tangible thing that most of us can understand, and it is the greatest uh, uh, physical reminder of what a covenant is to us with all sorts of spiritual implications right. too. So marriage is a covenant, an agreement to remain faithful to one another. And so in that sense, it's a conditional covenant because when one party fails to uphold the agreement to fidelity, the covenant is broken. Exactly. Okay. And, and this is, this is why I stress whenever talking to couples before they're married about how, how seriously God looks at a covenant commitment, not only to him, but to each other. You're right. And the world takes it ex very lightly. Yes, they do. Very, they like a, this is just a trial, a practice yeah, run, yeah. a practice run, see how it run. goes. See how it doesn't it goes. work out, you know. Uh, and that's just, that is wrong way to approach a, a covenant, uh, especially a marriage covenant. The very first covenant that the Bible brings up uh, is the covenant that God made with Noah. Mm -hmm. And not just with Noah, it was actually made with all of the animals, too, that yeah. uh, on the earth. And so they've just come through the great flood, right? right. And they, they are coming out of the covenant. And uh, God says to Noah, I now establish my covenant, we know it's a covenant, with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, this would be what you would say is an unconditional covenant. God does what he's going to say, but mankind doesn't really have a, a role in this one per se. Hey. It seems more to us like a promise, okay? Yeah. But it is a covenant. It's an unconditional covenant. Unconditional because it's one-sided. He, exactly. He, he's not going to break it. He, he, made, he made a commitment to the earth, to, the, to mankind and the animals. And thank God. I mean, every time hurricane season comes around, I thank God for this covenant. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, every covenant that God gives comes with a sign of the covenant. Mm -hmm. And I always find that to be interesting. Now, we know the sign of this particular covenant. The sign uh, for, a, for Noah and all living creatures is I have set my rainbow in the clouds. It will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. That's the sign. Yeah. He says it's the sign. It's extremely clear. And so we can look up and take with comfort mm -hmm. that rainbow as a reminder of God's covenant. Yeah. And, of course, that rainbow is such an important sign. Is it any surprise that the enemy has taken it and perverted it? You know, it's funny you said that. We were—I was talking about that not long ago with my wife because um, we put we put a rainbow-colored 
uh, socks over the handles of my daughter's wheelchair. And she kept getting approached and asked, is that a pride? Is that pride? And we're like, you know, no, no. <laughs> and it's so sad that it's been hijacked that you can't even display a rainbow colored anything now without that question. But that's just like the enemy to take something of God's and, and pervert, pervert it. it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so we have that covenant. God made that unconditional with Noah and all of the creatures. Now, the next major covenant that we come across in the Bible, uh, we know it as the Abrahamic covenant. And this covenant was made with Abraham and his descendants. This, this particular covenant went through his sons, Isaac, and then Jacob, who became Israel. And this covenant was that the land of Israel would be theirs, mm -hmm. as well as some other things that we'll look at. Maybe, Gary, you can read that Genesis 17, where I we will. see that covenant. I'm going to read that. But, you know, I just had a thought in my what? head. You know, when I was first born again, I just remembered I had put a rainbow symbol on my car back back in 1982, 83 time frame or whatever, and never thought twice about it. That At that time, it was very special to me. And now if I rode around with that, I'd have, it would mean yeah, a whole different whole, thing to the rest of the world. Thing, yeah. I think we got to take it yeah, back. <laughs> take it back for it's God. It's funny, that memory. I had forgotten all about that. Okay, Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am a God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make, you, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it, it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So what we see in here is various promises made to Abraham to make him a father of many nations mm -hmm. uh, is one is is a very 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 big part of this right and that the other big 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 part of this is that the land of Canaan which we now know as Israel okay yeah. just for clarity for everybody um, is going to be a, a possession. Uh, of Abraham's descendants. And we'll, we see later in Genesis where that descendant line, he had multiple sons and they mm -hmm. had multiple sons. Uh, God clarifies through that line of promise where that covenant goes to Isaac rather than Ishmael, to Jacob rather than Esau. I, I, you know, God is brilliant, obviously. Um, he knew this would be questioned one day. Still and, is, and still even is. though he said Yeah, it. but he made, he made three generations to make it very, very clear. And of course, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Right. They're leaving no doubt. 
that who, who the land yes because if you just said the covenant is made with abraham and stopped there right. there ishmael was a firstborn son yeah. and 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 the line could have gone there and that is what's playing uh, claimed by mm -hmm. many in the world today that that is the line uh, that is the promise uh, and it went that direction right okay but that's not and, what the word of god says. but that's not what the word of god says kathy one other thing there too that i think is just so important you know god is god no matter what but he's God to people. He's God to you and I. He's God to Abraham through covenant. He's God to Abraham and his descendants through covenant. And we're here today as covenant people because he made that covenant. He's God, no matter whether you choose to be part of that the family or not. But he's, he's God, God to you, to you. when you, make, when you, when you uh, accept the covenant. This idea of circumcision, um, circumcision is not a... Um, a condition of the covenant. No, I don't believe it is in this case. It's a sign, just like, like it says. It just says like it's it a says. sign. It's a <laughs> sign that this has been sealed. And and I think it was so important at this point because again, the seed of Abraham was going to pass through where this sign, you know, takes place. And I think it's a it's a it's a symbol of through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through this seed would come the Messiah, right. as we know. Right. And so it was an important sign of the you know sealing the deal. And and you know he says uh, in in these verses the covenant is everlasting. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going away, so it's not conditioned on what Abraham and his descendants are doing. Right. It is forever, no matter what. This this is theirs. This, these things, these promises are do belong to them. See, and yeah, there lies where the confusion starts. Because when we were talking about covenants, because when people look at the covenants and see just old and new, they think, well, wait a minute. Israel, and we're going to talk about this. Talk about Abraham this. or uh, Israel broke the covenant. And so therefore, you know, it's come to the, so the church. That's the confusion. That's the covenant that, that's confusion. That's the wrong way to yes. look at it. Here we have Abraham having covenant made with him by God and God alone, not placing conditions on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or his descendants. And we'll, we can talk more about that. After well, let's do this. You know, further. Genesis 15 is a really um, a insightful story or, uh -huh. you know, as you read it. It is where we learn that this covenant was what God made with himself. And you kind of have to understand that what happened with covenants back in the day, right? Covenant making was often called cutting a covenant. Right. Okay. And it, it generally involved cutting up animals. In this case, it did too. And yeah, it did exactly. too. And in, in strange as it may seem to our Western minds, cutting animal parts and both parties walking through them, it was a condition of the covenant. That's we right. may not do it that way. Uh, you've heard of blood covenants where people cut their, right. their arms and they put them together. As yeah. a sign that this cutting of a covenant, this idea of cutting, was extremely uh, important part of it. And, so, and what the rabbis talk about that is is that they, the symbol, uh, as the individuals walk through the animal parts, the, the understanding is this, this is what would happen to you or I if one of us breaks the covenant. Ooh. That Yeah, that's mm. how... So serious it is. They took these and they covenants. took it very, very yes. seriously. Man, if we had to do that at weddings, maybe there wouldn't be as many divorces. <laughs> 
It'd definitely Golly. be a visual, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, you might have mm. not wear long white gowns. Uh, <laughs> So it's really Genesis uh, 15 where we see this strange thing happening. Mm-hmm. And, and and Gary, maybe you can read. We are going to be reading straight from the word quite a bit today because I think it's important because actually Gary and I can't really say it any better than the word. Well, of course not. <laughs> we can't. And, and it's so important that, yes, you should hear it from the word and understand where these references are. So um, Genesis 15, mm-hmm. he also said to him, I am the Lord, speaking to to Abraham, who brought you out of Ur, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half." Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. And I believe that was symbolic of the demonic forces that began to, yes. to fight this, this process. Right at the very right beginning. The yeah, birds. I like birds, yeah. but unfortunately, yeah. they are representative yeah. of that. Because the enemy has hated this. This is, this is where the restoration process begins. Mm-hmm. I know that's important to you, Kathy, yes. the whole idea of the restoration of all things. Mm-hmm. Verse 12 says, And the sun was setting. Abram fell into a deep sleep. Sleep. A thick and dreadful darkness came over him. A smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I will give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the, I will say all, all the, the ites, ites, all the ites, all the ites. rather than going through it. Okay, so. You know, I know you. We there, there's a hyphen there. I mean, I know we we skipped uh, some of those verses, but to, just for to, for sake of time. But Kathy, it's it's reinforced by the words in Hebrew chapter six, verse thirteen, where where God says when he could he could not swear. And in fact, I will read it exactly how it's mm-hmm. written in in the New King James so for our audience's sake. He says, "For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater." He swore by himself. And there it is. And then later in the, in the chapter, verse 17 and 18, he says, talks about two immutable things, two things that never can change, and that is the oath and the fact that God can't lie. So God made this unconditional covenant with Abraham here because we know that, that that Abraham didn't have to swear anything. He was put to sleep. He didn't walk through. The he thing. didn't walk through. The only thing that went between that was this fire pot uh, and, and the smoke, which, you know, that smoke... They think audience about the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke as representations of God. Yeah. That's what went through these animal parts. Yes. That was God making a covenant with himself. Just like Hebrews said, no, and, and, and he doesn't go back on that, and no greater, there's nobody greater to make no, a covenant. I, I mean, if you know, you, you it stops with God. Exactly. <laughs> the buck stops here. The buck stops here. You know, here. and so I just want to read a confirmation of this in one other place. Mm-hmm. You know, to, by two or three witnesses, all things are established, right, Kathy? Matthew, or uh, excuse me, Psalm 105, starting in verse six, says, "O seed of Abraham, his servant." Your children of Jacob, his chosen ones. There's another confirmation on who this covenant was made with. Jacob, his chosen ones. 
He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, the oath with Isaac, and confirmed to Jacob for a statute to Israel. There's that transfer transfer from Jacob to Israel because you know Jacob's the man, Israel's the mission in my book. Mm-hmm. He says to Israel for an ever lasting covenant saying to you i will give you all the land of canaan as an allotment of your inheritance and where is that gary that's psalm 105 beginning in verse 6 and i read through verse 11 it's a it's, it's a couldn't summary. be any clearer than no, that it's a summary of of everything we're saying right it's it's the, and this covenant is everlasting it is to the descendants of jacob who becomes israel and it includes the land of israel Everything right there. That's All pretty simple. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and then, like I said, it's repeated over and over and over mm-hmm. in other places. So critical that we understand this unconditional covenant God made with himself that is always in effect, including to this day. Absolutely. Okay? Never, never to change. Never to change. So now we fast forward four to five hundred years and we get to the time of Moses mm-hmm. and um, so we went through Abraham. Now we get uh, the uh, the Israelites end up going into Egypt for yeah. you know 400 years, and then they come back out uh, with the great Exodus, and God takes them to Mount Sinai. Right? Mm-hmm. We always say first He redeems, He rescues, and then He brings them to the mountain yes. to receive the Torah. It's a okay? beautiful picture. So. What we have next that we're dealing with is also often called the Mosaic Covenant, okay? Mm-hmm. Moses trudged up the mountain, got those stones, got the whole entire Torah, as we understand yeah. it, and brought it, brought it back down. So this Mosaic Covenant, though, is different from the first covenant. Amen. And it's conditional. Yeah, and it's so the key. Just a pause here now to clarify to our audience who, who may have entered this program thinking old and new is all you had to know. The Abrahamic Covenant, unconditional. Now another progressive covenant, the, the, the Mosaic Covenant, which is conditional. All of this taking place from 3,500 years to 40,000 years ago as all part of what we read in the Tanakh, what the world calls the Old Testament, and you can see how one covenant lays upon another. And I think that's what's important, too. One doesn't get rid of the other one. We still got Noah's covenant in effect, too. Yes. Right? And each of the ones we're going to talk about are still in effect. Yes. Okay? So we don't get rid of one just because we got a little bit newer one. Exactly. Okay? So we said this this covenant is conditional, and it is made with Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the conditions are they're responsible for following the law the Torah, or the Torah, as we call. And in return, God promised to abundantly bless and protect Israel. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, Gary, why don't you read in Exodus 19? This is uh, the, the story of Moses coming back down the mountain and this covenant actually being in place here, put in place. Okay. All right. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. I I love that. I'm sorry. I have to stop there. Once again, we see this beautiful interchange all the time. Once God changes the name of Jacob to Israel, you see it once going back and forth because you have Jacob the man 
and Israel the mission, and Israel representing all the people that would come from Jacob. But it's this beautiful use going back and forth of Jacob and Israel to show that connection. All right, verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you, out, brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words of the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Now they said they would do all the, the conditions laid out in this mosaic covenant. covenant. Yes. This to me is the wedding ceremony, right? Mm -hmm. This is the I do's. I do. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. will do. This mm -hmm. is the I do's where you, you are engaging, entering into the covenant. I will do. We will do. And they did as a whole entire people. We will do. I love that it's recorded this way yeah. in the Bible because it's so clearly a marriage covenant yeah. of a God with his yeah. people. Ketubah. Yeah, Ketuba. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. That yeah. covenant. You know, there's some wording in there, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, you know, Matt, Peter picks up on this in First Peter 2, 2, 9, and he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the ex excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I know that when I had read this before without having a Hebraic understanding, I'm like, okay, this applies to those Christians or the holy nation, the royal priesthood, okay? But this was Peter referencing back to that that scene right there mm -hmm. where God said, mm -hmm. Israel, you're going to be these people, this holy nation. And that, I believe, is the essence of the call back that Yeshua gave. John, John Yochanan, the Immerser, John the Baptist, and Yeshua both started their ministry with repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's come back to Shuvah. Come back. What were they telling them to come back to? Come back to the Torah. Come back to obeying yeah. your God, your Father. And Come and back then, into relationship with your Father. Perfect. You broke relationship yes. there. When you stop doing all the things you said you would do. This is this is that call back to to relationship with the Father with Avenu Shabbat Shemai, my Father in Heaven. There, that was the understanding in Judaism of our Father in Heaven long before we heard Yeshua teach what we call the Lord's Prayer. They this was a, a an obedience to the Father in Heaven that was was what they committed to at Horeb or Sinai and now have been called back to because unfortunately. Israel did not remain faithful, right? Okay, yes. they did not. And uh, so they there was a response, there was a punishment. And so in Deuteronomy 28, and of course, this is, it's all over Deuteronomy, yeah. okay? Uh, in 28, 58 through 66, it says, if you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, this Torah, which are written in this book and do not revere this glory, his, this glorious and awesome name, the Lord, your God. So that would be 
uh, how do you say that in Hebrew? Uh, Adonai, uh, oh, well, Yehovah. Uh, I was going to say the Lord your God. He's got his oh, name in God, there. Adonai, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, then the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and lingering illnesses. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Sickness, disaster, um, and you'll be, you'll be basically. Uh, your numbers will decrease significantly. You will not prosper. Uh, he's going to set out to destroy you. And then after this long list, okay, that we are going through in Deuteronomy 28, 58 through 66, we get to verse 64. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. And he goes from there. So what we see is that the biggest deal punishment is really the scattering of the mm -hmm. people. Yeah. That's the one that, I mean, they're all big deals. Okay. All, all of that matters, it's you know, illness the, and it's kind of the finale, but that's yeah, the finale. Yeah. That's yeah. when it gets to its worst, we're, we're just spitting you out of the land yeah. completely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we read about that many, many times in the Torah, but then it says, but if you will not listen to me and carry out all of these commandments, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out commandments, then I will do this to you. Once again, I, right now I'm reading from Leviticus 28, starting at verse 14. So once again, you reject it all. Here's what I'm going to do. This is all throughout Torah. We see this over and over. And yeah. It's the if-then clause. It's the condition. It's, it's one of the, the condition. One of the conditions. I always yeah. say, you know, up to and including yes. scattering from the exactly. land. Exactly. Yeah. And then Leviticus 26.40 says, but... If they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so I sent them into the land of their enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land." And then it goes in verse 44, yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord, their God, but for their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought them out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. So there's a lot in there too, Gary. There's a lot to unpack because because yes. I, I believe that uh, number one, God always preserves a remnant. Yes. Um, I think there's there's two uh, two things that are touched on in the when we look at Torah, we look at um, Deuteronomy, we look at this passage you just read, is that I think there are those who will turn back to God on their own. There are those who repent. There are those who seek. There there there's the uh, the Zionists who want to go back to reconnect with their God as well as their land. The Jewish people, this homing pigeon spirit that just triggers in their heart and they want to go home and they want to return to their God. Well, and they th read the scriptures and they see that that's they, what's going to happen. They see themselves in they it. They see themselves they in see the themselves fulfillment in it. of scripture. Absolutely. And then there are those who are out there who may be victims of a secular society, a communist society where they never even had an opportunity to read their own words and God sees them too and so I think you have both factors here you have those who will go back on their own accord 
and and God uh, blesses them for that. And then there are those that he's going to make a way for them to get back and also bless give them, them a little nudge, give them a nudge, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, a little push factor. <laughs> but uh, one of the one of my favorite Aliyah passages, the return passages is in Ezekiel 36, because it talks, we, we've been talking thus far about God's responsibility to the Abrahamic covenant. And because of that covenant, he has to do this for his own sake. He, his reputation is on the line. Yeah, only his reputation. He, you he, know? Yeah, he would be, he would be uh, deemed a liar if the Jewish people had been destroyed or scattered and, and never heard from again, like most peoples of the earth. You know, when, they, when they, their nations are destroyed, right. they disappear from the planet or assimilate. You know, they either disappear, disappear through being annihilated or disappear through, through assimilation. assimilation right? right, right. But not the case with the Jewish people. And so Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 20, is one of the most profound ways of looking at this because we see God recognizing the fact that they are mocked in the land, in the countries that they're in. He says, when they came to the nations, wherever they went, speaking of the Jewish people, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, so this is speaking about what the people in the nations are saying. These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. They're mocking. They're mocking. These are the people of God. Yeah, right. You know, where's Israel? Why are they here? Why are they here in Germany or Poland or, or Russia or Ukraine? So he said, but then God says, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which is profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. Now God's turning his attention to showing the nations, no, you're wrong. I am faithful. And he says, uh, um, shall, shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord, when I am hallowed in your eyes before them. I will take you from among the nations gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will, be, you will keep my judgments and do them. There's back to the Torah. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. All of it right there, okay? We've got all of the, uh, the, the pieces. We got that. It's his name and his, rec his reputation, Amen. right? But what's so interesting about that verse in particular is that he brings them back to the land, and then mm -hmm. the cleansing happens? Correct. Uh, because we do here in the world today, well, there, you know, why should we help Israel? Because the people in the land are sinners, and, and, you know. Yeah. And, and best some of we them, hear we hear that all the time. And, yes. But that's not, it's not our job. Our job is to help them get back. Exactly. Isaiah, Isaiah 49, God's going to do the cleansing. Yes. We don't ever do that. We can't do it. Exactly. <laughs> so that's really important to remember. And that... That, once again, should play into um, 
things that we see and know and understand in today's polit- geopolitical world and in our churches and our understanding of what our role is with the Jewish people and with the nation of Israel. Amen, sister. Well said. If all of that could be understood, it would change the way the church thinks about Israel. And if we could, if we were the influence we we're supposed to be, we could change the way the world thinks, thinks about, about Israel. Israel. You know, this covenant has a sign too. And uh, it, the sign of this covenant, we're not going to go deep into this, is the sign between me and you and for generations to come. I know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Uh, he says, you must observe my Sabbath. This is the sign between me and you. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. So the sign of this covenant, Gary, is the keeping of the Shabbat, which is actually representative of the keeping of Torah. Amen. Okay, yeah, yeah it, you know, because Shabbat's a biggie. It is, it is a big because it's a weekly reminder. We have the, the yearly reminders, but it's a weekly reminder. And, you know, Jewish people have done this over the, de- the centuries, even at pain of death. Yeah, exactly. They have, they have attempted to keep the, the Sabbath holy, set apart for God. Um, that's important. That, that actually, you know, when I think about that being a sign between God and his people, the Sabbath, and then I had to look at myself and say, I'm not even keeping the Sabbath. Am I, am I part of his people? If I'm part of his people, maybe I should be keeping the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you started. So that's what I started doing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. If I'm going to be part of his people, I feel like I should be doing what his people are supposed to be doing. Amen. Right? That's, that's the importance of understanding what we're talking about later about being grafted in. Exactly. We are to do mm-hmm. what we are called to do as his children. As his children. Yeah. Exactly. Now, there's also, uh, going forward a little bit, something known as the Davidic Covenant. And that's with King David, Mm -hmm. okay? God makes this covenant with King David. Um, It's through Nathan the prophet. It's talked about in 2 Samuel 7, 1 Chronicles 17, and 2 Chronicles 6, 16. Mm -hmm. And it's an unconditional covenant made between God and David, through which God promises David and Israel that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. David mm-hmm. and from the tribe of Judah, Amen. which David was, and would establish a kingdom that would endure forever. The Davidic covenant is unconditional. God does not place any condition of obedience upon its fulfillment, nothing that David had to do. Uh, this was just going to be his promise based on God's faithfulness. And if you remember in the book of Luke, when the angel Gabriel came, okay, mm-hmm. and he announced to God, that, he announced that God would give Jesus, Yeshua, the throne of his ancestor, David, right. and he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Okay. So that's Luke 1, 31 through 33. We know mm-hmm. those verses, right? Mm-hmm. But look what it says, ancestor David ruling over the house of Jacob. Okay. Important. Very specific. Very specific. Peter declared in Acts 2, God has sworn with an oath to David that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Mm. And then our our favorite that comes up in the the songs at Christmas time, Isaiah prophesied concerning the Messiah of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice and righteousness from henceforth, even forever. 
Forever. Amen. <laughs> uh, you know, there again, the, the, the beautiful example was you're going through these unconditional versus conditional. If this had been a conditional covenant like the Mosaic Covenant, it, it would have, it, we wouldn't be sitting here today because the, the kings following David after Solomon we know we're, we're, we're less than perfect, right, <laughs> let's put exactly. it that way. But yet it didn't matter. God promised through the line of David that we would have our Messiah. Now, Gary, we talked about, and I'm just saying that we talked prior to this. I'm going to clarify something that we were talking about even prior to starting this. If we're looking at a sign for the Davidic covenant, would it be Yeshua sitting on the throne in Jerusalem? Would that be the sign? I would say I would call that. What would that, you call? What would, would be the, the sign? That's the fulfillment of, of the promise. So what I'm wondering is, does this one have a sign? Well, you know, I, I'm I, just we are, thinking through this. Maybe maybe we shouldn't uh, think out loud on the air, but we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it up. But, but I'm you brought sorry. it up. No, it's okay mm-hmm. because it's important that you know some of these things are 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 tougher to discern. But you know, when Yeshua was confronted. Uh, by the the Pharisees who who uh, uh, Yeshua discerned, discerned were not necessarily friends of his, he said, you know, this you wicked generation who seeks a sign, uh, adulterous generation who seeks a sign. I will give you no other sign than the sign of the prophet Jonah. As the sign as the as Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. So that was the sign in his case that he was the Messiah. And he was the Messiah. And and he was of course the of the of the lineage of David. Okay. Um Okay. Okay. So was that a sign of the Davidic covenant or the sign of what we're going to talk about in the new covenant? Well, there's a good question. <laughs> I think I think this be, you know being They're a Davidic covenant They're very much related. They are related and they are also related to the fact that you know to the Abrahamic covenant which you know is the fact that it would have to come uh, there be there would be a day when Yeshua would come not only the first time to Israel, but he would return to Israel. So there has to be an Israel and there has to be a Jerusalem there for them to say, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it also says that the Jerusalem would be trampled down by the by the Gentiles until Til that time. Until the fullness of time when Yeshua would return. So the Davidic covenant um, maybe the sign of the Davidic covenant is Yeshua himself. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. That's what I'm saying. It's maybe that is. But I obviously I do agree that clearly Yeshua said about the sign of the three days and the three nights in the belly of a well, a mm. whale, um, or a, a well, fish. yeah, a big fish. And as you had said I, one other time, we're not talking about him camping out he was dead for three Mm. days and three nights Mm. in the belly of that well just like yeshua was dead in the grave okay and then he says that's your sign folks okay that's your sign you're looking for other things so So could we say the resurrection is the sign maybe the the resurrection because both jonah was spit out of the of the 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 fish and yeshua rose from the you know the grave so maybe the heart of the earth and maybe we're the, thinking through this right here through, on the air yeah, as, yeah. We're, as we're going. And, you know, that's good. And that's OK, mm. because Gary and I don't have all of the answers of to everything. Not, and this is how we 
we we we get to some of these. This is the midrash right. that is so important. Um, and I would like our audience to recognize how important midrash is to do exactly like what we're doing. We we didn't really plan what we just did there. We're kind of just thinking through it on on the fly, and and you know trying to bring up you know reasons why we think this. And that's important. That's important to learn it is. So how le- to do that. So leave your comments if you want to yes. say which one of those theories sounds good to you, right. or do you have your <laughs> own as exactly. to which is the sign the of, the, sign Davidic of the Davidic covenant. That's, that's interesting. Now the covenant then that we've already alluded to the biggie in the church, mm-hmm. right? Is the one that occurs right there after that page break <laughs> between <laughs> Malachi and Matthew, right? And it's the one that the church calls the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we got to look at this because this is not what people think it is. Right. Okay. First of all, who's it made with? If you're inclined to say it was made with the church, you would be wrong. Buzz. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, you know what's interesting? The new covenant, as what we know as the new covenant, is actually presented in Jeremiah. 31, mm-hmm. starting with verse 31. And where do we find the prophets? Oh, we the find Tanakh. them in the Tanakh and what the <laughs> Older Testament, the right. Hebrew scriptures, right. okay, um, is to the left-hand side <laughs> of that page, right? So, Gary, I want you to read uh, Jeremiah 31, starting with verse 31. Okay. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. Oh, with who? With the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Well, what covenant was made when he took them out of the land of Egypt? The Mosaic covenant. covenant. Because they broke my covenant. Which covenant did they break? The The Mosaic Mosaic covenant. covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. The people of Israel. I will put my Torah or my law in there minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Boy, that sounds like the promise I just read in Ezekiel 36. Yes. No longer will they teach will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Wow, does that sound like Ezekiel 36? Absolutely. Sounds like what Paul says, all Israel will be saved. Absolutely, absolutely. And Gary, actually, let's find that in the Bible right there, because I did not, the Jeremiah 31, uh, because I want to ask a question. If you'll go to that, let's let's do a couple questions. Okay, before I get there, just hold that for two seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay, first. Who is this covenant made with? I think we gave a little cheater on that. Okay, right at the beginning. It's made with Israel, with the people of Judah. Okay, so we clearly got who it's made with, because God just tells us right there. Okay, pretty easy. Mm. Um, So then we got to say... and so what, he, what he's saying is God makes this covenant with Israel. He will forgive sin and restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned toward him. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's basically what he's saying. Okay. Is I will restore this pro, uh, fellowship once you repent. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now there's something interesting happening here. We call it the new covenant. The word here, Hadash, I'm not... Uh, 
It, it, it does mean new. Okay, you can say can. that. But it actually comes from another word that's actually spelled the exact same way in Hebrew, but the vowel points are a little bit different, uh, pronounced slightly different than that. And that word means renewed or repaired. There you go. Very interesting, okay, that we've got this concept of not just brand new, never before seen, okay, but, oh, something's been repaired, something's been renewed. Or restored. Or maybe. restored, okay? All these great re-words, <laughs> right? So it's very similar, audience, to the idea of a new moon, okay? Mm -hmm. Those of you who follow NASA and the moon and so forth, it's not really new. It's not like we got a brand new moon up there. Still it's the there. same old moon. Yeah. It's called a renewing moon, okay? That's what's happening. It's going through a cycle, and it is renewing, okay? So the part that's different now is that it's being written on their hearts, rather than on the stone tablets. Exactly. Not that the Torah is done away with and something new is happening. It's where it is written that is new. Not that it's a new thing. More intimate. More of the places. It's, it's within us. It's within us. So notice an important characteristic of the covenant. That when it's fully in place, no one will have to teach anyone, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Gary, are we at that Has stage that yet? yet? I don't think Not it's happened. That I can see. <laughs> you know, audience, we've talked before about Hebrew having two tenses, a past tense and an ongoing tense. Mm. What we're dealing with here is an ongoing process. This new covenant is being written on yes. our hearts. It's not all there yet because no. once it's all there, we don't sin anymore and we still sin. No more sin yeah. and no more worrying about who doesn't know God. That's right. So it's there's no point in evangelizing and sending people out to the ends of the earth because at this point, when the covenant is fully written on our hearts as a people, that doesn't have to happen anymore. Exactly. So and that process is ongoing. It is ongoing. Yes. Okay, that's important to know. Gary, the next part I wanted you mm -hmm. to read. My question here is, how long is this covenant in place? That is a great <laughs> question. <laughs> what a setup. You know, I was out. I went out early for my my quiet time yesterday morning, and I saw the stars in the sky. And last night, when I took the recycling out, I saw the moon. There was a quarter of a moon still up. So, what there. does that have to do with anything? Well, <laughs> let me read this verse thirty-five. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun, you know what? It's still shining out it's there. I see out it outside there. my window. Who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and the waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all for all they have done, says the Lord. So what God is saying is, if we can measure the, the earth and all its foundations, if we and can, the heavens and the heavens, if the stars disappear and the moon disappears, the sun disappears, if all that goes away, then, then he's done with then Israel, he's done with Israel. 
should we get our measuring tape out? Should we start trying that and seeing how that works? Because that's really how the, the world has reacted to this. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're saying, no, much, many in the world say, no, he's done with Israel. Yeah. Now he's working with the church. That was their time. They screwed up. Now it's us. So that sun in the sky is an illusion. The moon is an illusion. The stars are gone. That's right. right. And we're, our measuring tape, we're measuring we've, the heavens. We've done it. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Come on, folks. So... You know, we, we were saying how uh, this covenant was made with Israel, clearly was what it said. Even the story in the Gospels confirms this idea. And I remember when I first really thought through this story, it, it was quite profound to me. And it's found in Matthew 15. And it's, okay, so the, it's, it's the Gospels, Jesus walking around with his disciples. And it says, Jesus withdrew, withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman, okay, non-Israel, was not an Israelite, from that vicinity came crying out, Lord, son of David. She knew he she was the son understood. of David. Whoa. She knew the Have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered them. Oh, this is, think about this, folks. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a, 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 probably a very unoverlooked statement. Do you and, think? But it's very profound. That's Yeshua yeah. himself. Once again, we always get, we go into Paul, we get all confused. And mm -hmm. Yeshua's just like, you know, few words, very clear. Straight to the straight point. Straight to the point. And pretty, it seems brutal. It seems quite brutal, doesn't yeah. it? So, but the woman recognized something. She was just a smart woman, mm -hmm. okay? Help me, Lord. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread. Um, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. That's beautiful. Uh, that's just, you've got you to spend some time with that story. If you're thinking something differently than what that is clearly being said, what's clearly being said here. Um, yes, the, the words are kind of harsh. They seem harsh. And it but maybe he already recognized he's got to double down on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because the world's already having some problems with mm. this idea mm. of thinking they're replacing Israel, Good you know, point. they could yeah. be that they're already double that, or he knows that that's going to happen. So he's going to be, I, I got to tell it like it is here, gang. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but that's good. so what we've got here, I've only sent, I've only been sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel could be a whole other podcast too, mm. but just we've hit on it enough for you guys in the audience to really be able to think in an intelligent way about this and what that means, an informed way, not yeah. intelligent, well, intelligent too. Yeah, both. Okay, both. Um, but the question then comes, and it's legitimate. Okay, what about everybody else? <laughs> okay, <laughs> what about me? Okay, you know, the beauty of this story is that just like with this woman, God made a way for everyone to benefit from the covenant that he made with Israel. Oh, Look at it was her faith mm -hmm. in Yeshua. That isn't that, that the answer? Was the, that's the answer. It's always the answer. The faith in the God of Israel, in mm -hmm. the Messiah of Israel is is 
how we get to benefit by if those of us who are not part of Amen. Israel. He, he didn't forget us. No. He didn't forget he us. He made a way. He made a way. And it, it's, you know, Roman, Romans 11 is, it was exactly where I recognize. I mean, this is where the light came on, Kathy, for me many years ago, that we were part of something much, much greater than, than I ever imagined when, when, I, when I, you know, I made a confession to believe in this Jesus who I barely knew, didn't know. Didn't know. But then, then when I discovered, you know, that we were part of something greater, it started my journey to dig deeper. Um, but that those beautiful words of Paul where he says, if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. That's Israel. That's the root that goes all the way back to Abraham. All the, oh, I love that. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. Because that's the deep, deep root that we've been grafted into. It goes all the way to Abraham. If you can't, if you don't see this and you just follow the instruction of today's church, you can only trace your roots back to Constantine that's right. in the third, what, the fourth century AD. But if you understand what it means to be grafted in, you can trace your roots all the way back to Abraham 4,000 years ago. And that's what we want to be. We want those steep uh, roots. Course. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're rooted out when the first storm comes, the first that's, hurricane that's right. comes through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those of us in Florida, mm. right? And then he goes on in Romans 11. He says, do not consider yourselves to be superior to mm -hmm. those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Yes. Okay, gang? You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Yes, granted, that's mm -hmm. true. But they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith, just like that Canaanite woman did. Yes. Okay? Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Mm. Okay, we did a whole podcast on this and what that means. But what we're talking about here is this way that God made a way for everyone else to benefit from the deep roots of Amen. Israel. Amen. And not to be arrogant, not to be have this Christian arrogance to think that we are somehow superior. All we should be is grateful. Absolutely. Ephesians 2 also says this uh, fairly succinctly. Paul, mm -hmm. actually, Paul is succinct. I, I in imagine. This case, <laughs> yeah. In this case, he was. So what do you say in Ephesians 2? Uh, verses 11 and 13, if Gary, if you would read that. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, that, that, that done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise without hope and without the God, God in the world. But now through the Messiah Yeshua, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of the Messiah. It's so clear. Yeah, Paul was clear right there. there he was he clear. Was. Okay. And we were strangers to the covenants. Plural. Okay. Covenants because multiple covenants were made mm -hmm. with Israel and we were strangers to every one of them. Amen. Uh, every one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, what, what we know is the Mosaic covenant. What we know is the newer covenant. We were strangers, not part of that at all. And that's what Yeshua meant when he spoke to this woman. 
that I came for the lost sheep of Israel because this this process was they're the vehicle of world redemption, and it was all done through, through Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and only revealed afterwards that we would have this opportunity. Oh, to be praise a part God. Of it. Yes. And, you know, maybe not the way that you or I would have set this up. Probably not. But uh, it's very important for us to know how God set it up. Amen. I mean, my goodness. I mean, we're walking around thinking that somehow, you know, we've we've either earned this or we're special. Or uh, we've replaced, Christians, you know. We've is replaced. Re- all those words are, you know, that is arrogance and it's wrong. We need to, to to have this humility and understanding, the gratitude toward toward what God did and what the Jewish people have suffered in order on to on our behalf on our behalf in order to bring this to us. You know, I started off saying at the beginning that when God makes a covenant, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. folks. All of these covenants are still in effect today. The rainbow still appears in the sky. The land of Israel still belongs to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Mosaic covenant is still operational. The renewed covenant is still intact. And a descendant of David will sit on the throne in Jerusalem. All of these things are true. God's purposes on the earth yesterday, today, and tomorrow are all about the fulfillment of these covenants. Messing with any of these covenants is not a good idea, starting with that sign of the (laughs) rainbow. As we've seen, except for the covenant made with Noah, Israel and the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are central to God's covenants. And we would do well to remember this and to behave in a way that is consistent with this very truth. As Paul said, we, the grafted in branches, should not be arrogant. In fact, it is wise that we should support the fulfillment of these covenants. We should be grateful that God made a way for us to be grafted into the believing olive tree of Israel by faith, just like the Canaanite woman was when Yeshua healed her daughter because of her faith in him. And folks, we see the Abrahamic covenant being fulfilled before our eyes as God is bringing his people home to the land of Israel after thousands of years of scattering and dispersion. His covenants with his people are still alive and well, just like the sun and the moon and and Gary and I trying to get out there with our, our measuring sticks and measuring <laughs> the heavens and earth. <laughs> it ain't happening. I am thankful that we have a covenant-keeping God. All of our hope rests in his faithfulness to his covenants. Amen. Shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.